We are reading Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 2, entitled Daksha, Daksha Kursis, Lord Shiva. Text number 26. Translation. These Brahmanas take to education, austerity and vows only for the purpose of maintaining the body. They shall be devoid of discrimination between what to eat and what not to eat. They will acquire money begging from door to door simply for the satisfaction of the body. You can repeat. These brahmanas take to education, austerity and vows only for the purpose of maintaining the body. They shall be devoid of discrimination between what to eat and what not to eat. They will acquire money begging from door to door simply for the satisfaction of the body. Purport by his Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. The third curse inflicted by Nandeshwara on the Brahmanas who supported Daksha is completely functioning in the age of Kali. The so-called Brahmanas are no longer interested in understanding the nature of the Supreme Brahman although a brahmana means one who has attained knowledge about Brahman. Let's go through this purport sentence by sentence because there are so many things to be explained. So, in this chapter we are hearing about uh, the cursing and counter-cursing between Daksha and the followers of Lord Shiva led by Nandeshwara. So, already Daksha had put a curse on Lord Shiva and the curse was that when the people make sacrifices, when the Brahmanas will make sacrifices, they will not offer anything to Lord Shiva. Now, the system is when there's a sacrifice, you should offer to all the principal devas. And if you do not any, if you do not offer anything to Lord Shiva, then that is a great offense. But Daksha became he was angry or actually envious of Lord Shiva. You know, we all hear that family life can be very difficult very troublesome. You know, if you're married and you have family and relatives, it's very difficult not to have quarreling between them, isn't it? People often say, you know, that married life is so difficult. So even Lord Shiva has problems sometimes with married life. What to speak of, you know, ordinary people like us, that how difficult it is, especially, you know, with the, the in-laws 
here you see Lord Shiva was cursed by father-in-law. Father-in-law was not satisfied with the behavior of Lord Shiva because uh, Daksha felt that Lord Shiva should give more respect to him. He thought, he's married to my daughter, he should give me respect. I've given him my daughter, he's so fortunate, he's so lucky, I've given him such a nice wife, but he did not respect me. What had happened was, uh, Daksha had come into the arena of sacrifice, and Lord, everyone stood up to honor Daksha, because Daksha is Prajapati, he's one of the Prajapatis. You see, very big position in the heavenly planet. But there's a common saying, pride comes before the fall. You know, sometimes, you know, you get a big position and, you know, if you're not able to adjust to it, then you can get a lot of problems. We see that all the time. You know, somebody thinks they're very big, very important, and then they get carried away by their own pride. And before you know it, they're kicked out of power. <laughs> they lose everything. So, we will see and this also happening in relation to Daksha. That Daksha is one of the sons of Brahma. He's, you know, very powerful, big position, influential. And his daughter gets married to Lord Shiva. But he thinks he's more important than Lord Shiva. He does not understand Lord Shiva's actual position. You see, this is the problem. Uh, not appreciating the actual position of Lord Shiva, Daksha was upset that Lord Shiva, the Shiva, he did not even receive me. Everyone else, all the Brahmanas, the other demigods, they all stood up to receive me. And Lord Shiva did not stand up to receive me. He simply remained sitting. Why? Because Lord Shiva is a Vaishnava. And he is always in trance, remembering the Supreme Lord, remembering Lord Vishnu. Yeah, he's a great devotee of the Lord. So, Lord Shiva is absorbed in trance, in thinking of Lord Sankarshan. And in this way, he did not get up to receive Daksha, because he was already meditating on the Supreme Lord. He had no reason to respect Daksha. However, this is the way of family life. You know, a little, a little, a little thing becomes very big thing. Yeah. The making, making a mountain out of a molehill, we say, you know. The molehill is just a little thing. You make it a very big thing, make it into a mountain. You see, so this is what happened here with Daksha. He got carried away by his own pride and he was became envious he became he was envious of lord shiva he thought he's my son-in-law he should give me proper respect he's not showing proper regard for me so for this reason he cursed him that lord shiva will not enjoy any of the sacrificial offerings so when this curse was put against lord shiva 
Lord Shiva, he does not mind because he's a Vaishnava. You know, the nature of a Vaishnava is he has no enemy. He's tolerant. You know, sadhu, even as ordinary sadhu, is tolerant like Tatikshava, Tatikshava, Karunika, Suridam, Sarvadehinam, Ajata, Shatrava, Shantu, Sadhava, Sadhu, Bhushana. This is an ornament of the sadhu. So even sadhu, ordinary soul, they know they're tolerant. What to speak of Lord Shiva? Vaishnavam Yata Shambhu, the greatest Vaishnava. So Lord Shiva, he did not care. He thought, you know, he's just a foolish person, no reason to get upset, didn't want to make any trouble. But Nandishwara, the follower of Lord Shiva, cannot tolerate. His master has been offended. His master has been criticized like this. So Nandeshwara, he retaliates and he puts a counter curse on Daksha. He not only curses Daksha, but he curses also the Brahmana followers of Daksha, those who are serving and assisting Daksha. So this is the the problem with uh, where there's uh, these intrigues or these quarrels, you know, little things become big things for no reason because of lack of proper consciousness, because we don't have control over our mind and senses. And even Nandeshwara, who is so fortunate to be personal assistant of Lord Shiva, he becomes affected and he starts putting curses onto people. So it's mentioned here that uh, this is the third, what we read today is the third curse. We will read the other curses which were put. First of all, uh, Daksha had mentioned, no, uh, Nandishwara had mentioned that in relation to Daksha, that he has accepted the body as all in all. Therefore, since he has forgotten Vishnupada or Vishnugati and is attached, attached to sex life only, within a short time he will have the face of a goat. So this was curse put on Daksha, that he would have the face of a goat. Then Nandishwara went on, those who have become as dull as matter, by cultivating materialistic education and intelligence, are nesciently involved in fruitive activities. Such men have purposely insulted Lord Shiva. May they continue in a cycle of repeated birth and death. So, this is, this is another curse put on these uh, people who are involved with Daksha, that they will not get free of birth and death. They will remain in the material world. And then, so, so may, may those who are envious of Lord Shiva, being attracted by the flowery languages of the enchanting Vedic promises, and who have thus become dull, always remain attached to fruitive activities. So, uh, that's the same 
type of things, that they will remain attached to fruitive activities. They will not get out of the material world. They may be followers of the Vedas, but they will not know the real goal of the Vedas. They will simply be attached to the flowery language of the Vedas, as it's mentioned in Bhagavad Gita like that. The flowery language of the Vedas, elevation to higher planets, uh, material opulence and sense gratification, they think this is the goal of the Vedas, to enjoy the material world. Of course, the Vedas does promise material enjoyment, but that is not the highest goal of the Vedas. The ultimate goal of the Vedas is to get us out from the material world, to free us from birth and death. So, we should not become attracted, we should not become lost in all of this flowery language. The flowers look very beautiful, just like you can see on our altar. You know, they looked so beautiful yesterday. Today they've diminished a little bit, and by tomorrow they'll be finished. You see? So that's the nature of the flower. The beauty is very temporary. Very quickly the flower withers away and dries up. And so, in the same way with the material opulence and heavenly pleasures, they are also very temporary. They do not last very long. And we should not just simply base our life's goal on trying to enjoy worldly pleasures. But we should endeavor to get free from the wheel of birth and death. So this is the real purpose of the Vedas. So it's mentioned, uh, the third curse inflicted by Nandishwara on the Brahmins who supported Daksha is completely functioning in the age of Kali. Oh, so this is, the, the third curse is what we read today. That the Brahmanas, that they will think that the purpose of education, austerity and vows is only for maintaining the body. You know, to go to college and go, get education, get degrees. Why? Oh, so I can get a good salary, make a lot of money. But that's not the real goal of education. Huh? Krishna never mentions anything about that in Bhagavad Gita. Cultivating knowledge. What is cultivating education meant to do? First thing it's meant to do is make us humble. Amanitvam, madamvitvam. We're supposed to be humble and without pride. But you go to college, you get a degree, and you know, you become so infatuated, so proud. We think we're a great scholar. We think we're the gift to the world. You know, we think we have achieved so much. But it's such an insignificant thing. The real purpose of education is Oma Agyana Timarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Shaksurun Militanyena Tasmai Shri Guruvenama this is real education, when our eyes are opened with the torchlight of knowledge. Not avidya that we get in material education. But real education is to understand we're not the body. And the goal of life is to free yourself, to free the soul from birth and death. This is the real education. Education which will take us out from this material world not prolong our suffering in this material existence. It's austerity and vows. People undergo some austerity, 
maybe fasting, but what is their purpose? That they will get some material desire fulfilled. Some, they will do some vow. People will go to maybe Tirupati and they will do some vow there. They will do some yagya there. But what is their purpose? Oh, help me pass the exams. We should pass the exams. We should get a nice wife. We should have a child. should have a son. Like this, all material desires. This is just only things in relation to the body. But education, austerity and vows are meant for purification of existence. If we become purified, then we will understand more of our real existence. That we're not the body, that we are the soul living in the body. But if our education, austerity, and vows are only for the body, then that is just entangling us more in the material world. It is not freeing us. Haranyakashipu, the great Asura, father of Prahlad, he did a lot of austerity. What was the purpose of his austerity? He simply, he wanted to be immortal. He thought, I... I don't want to die. I shouldn't die. So that is the foolishness of all of these austerities. You know, we're, if we do some austerity... Now, austerity is not wrong. Bhagavad Gita says that sacrifice, austerity and penance should never be given up. But there is austerities and penances in goodness, in passion and in ignorance. If we do some austerity in ignorance, then it is just simply torturing our body. Just like Haranyakashipu. He's just giving suffering to his own body. Sometimes we see people do these austerities in the mode of ignorance. They will uh, stick. Sometimes the people like to put some metal hook into their bodies. Sometimes they will put some fear through their cheek. Have you seen? Maybe Taipusam. Do they do that here? Uh, when they worship Murga, sometimes people will do I've seen in Malaysia, there's a lot of devotees of Lord Murga there, and they put a big metal spear right through, through the mouth. And they will put in the back many hooks like this, you know, torturing the body almost like this, bringing a lot of pain and discomfort for the body. But it's their austerity, a vow we perform. They do it for the pleasure of Lord Murga. But that kind of austerity is not so much recommended. Sometimes people do take these vows to bring trouble to others. They want that their enemy should be harmed. They want some misfortune should fall on their enemy, somebody they don't like, somebody they're envious of. You know, let me get my revenge on them, and they will do something. This is austerity, our vows in the mode of ignorance. If we do some austerity to get some result for ourselves, that we want to enjoy some material benefit, you know, we should become rich, or we should be successful in our material... That is austerities or vows in the mode of passion. And if we do austerities for purification, that is in the mode of goodness. 
So uh, here we're, we're, we're uh, hearing Nandishwara curse that these followers of Lord Shiva, that they will simply be concerned with maintaining the body. Prabhupada says the so-called brahmanas are no longer interested in understanding the nature of the Supreme Brahman. Although a brahmana means one who has attained knowledge about Brahman. So, there is the... In Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna says, Param Brahm Pavitram Paramam Param Brahm Param Dham Pavitram Paramam Bhavan. Arjuna describes Lord Krishna. You are the Supreme Brahman, the Param Brahm. The living entities, jivas like us, we are not the Parabrahman. No? We, we cannot say, I am the Supreme Brahman. We are Brahman, but we are not the Supreme Brahman. Brahma Bhuta Prasanatma Nasochi. We have to realize that we are Brahman. And then we have to try to realize the Supreme Brahman. So the Brahmanas are meant to be teaching about the Supreme Brahman. Brahmana is meant to be one who, is no, who knows the Supreme Brahman. And he can instruct and teach others how to realize the Supreme Brahman. This is the real duty of the Brahmana. One who says he is Brahmana, he should know who, who is, what is Brahman. And he should know also the Supreme Brahman. Or at least he should be learning what is the Supreme Brahman. The business of the Brahmana is to worship the deities and to teach others to worship the deities. They can study scripture and teach others scripture. And they can accept charity and give charity. But it's too common that in Kali Yuga, that the Brahmanas today only will do one of these six, six things. Which one of the six things do you think they will do? They will accept charity, right? Yeah. Other things, you know, that's okay. Let some other Brahmins do that, you know. But we'll take the charity. Yeah. So this is not how it's meant to be. So Brahmana is meant to teach about the Supreme Brahman. In, Ved in Vedanta Sutra, also it is stated, Atato Brahma Jignasa. This human form of life is meant for realization of the Supreme Brahman. The absolute truth, or in other words, human life is meant for elevation to the post of a brahmana. Yes, the human life is, you know, to, to be born a brahmana, you know, that's a very fortunate birth. Because we know the brahmanas are very dear to Lord Krishna. Namo brahmana devaya go brahmana hitayacha. How dear the brahmanas are to Lord Krishna. When Sudama Brahman comes to Dwarka to visit Lord Krishna, Lord Krishna gives him so much respect. He washes his feet. He sits him on his own bed and offers worship to him. The Brahmana, it said when a Brahmana eats, he eats on behalf of the Lord. The Brahmanas are, you know, they're so exalted. But we have to see who is actually a Brahmana. To take birth as a brahmana, that is 
you know, okay, the beginning of life, but we have to see that one will keep the qualities of a brahmana. Because brahmana is not just only by birth. Birth is the beginning of life. But we have to see the, the qualities and the activities of the person, that they are also on the level suitable for a brahmana. As it's mentioned here, sarva bhaksha, that they will eat everything. That cannot be brahman. Brahman cannot simply eat everything. Sometimes people are proud of it. You say, oh, I eat everything, they say. They feel proud. You know, they should feel shame. But instead they're feeling pride, you know. Yeah, I want, no problem, I can eat everything. You know, I said, you know, we have vegetarian, we have vegetarian food. I was telling a person, you come to our temple, we have vegetarian food. He said, yeah, I can eat that, I eat everything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> vegetarian and non-vegetarian, you know. He thought it was very good, you know, but, you know, he didn't even feel any guilt. This is Kali Yuga. People are so fallen, they don't even know what is the standard of civilized life. People think, oh, you can, if you eat everything, you're very great. Yeah. You're low, it's very low. That is dog. Hog. They will eat anything. Human beings meant to be cultivating knowledge, discrimination. He knows what to eat and what not to eat. In Bhagavad Gita, the Asuric nature is described. Pavritim cha nivritim cha janana vadura suraha. That they neither know what is to be done and what is not to be done. Neither cleanliness nor austerity or truthfulness is found in them. This is the Asuric nature. No good quality. It's this terrible quality. If one, cannot, one does not know what is proper food, for human beings, and you say, no, I'm Brahmana. So, Brahmana knows what is Brahman. Qualities of the Brahman are mentioned in Bhagavad Gita. And one of the qualities of the Brahman are pure, must be pure. They have to have purity. Samo damas tapas socham shantirajavamevacha. Jnana vijnana mastikyam brahma karma swabhavajam. To be brahmana is not so easy thing. They have to have the most qualities. You know, sudra, okay, you can just simply be servant. Shat, uh, Vaishya, three qualities are mentioned for Vaishya. Krishi goraksha vanijam. They take care of the, protect the cows, farming and banking. Kshatriya is a little higher. The Kshatriya has to have more qualities. He has to have qualities like Ishwara Bhav. He has to be able to control others. He has to be charitable. He has to be brave also. But the Brahmana's qualities are even more special. Nine qualities are mentioned. Peacefulness, self-control, purity, austerity. These kind of qualities are mentioned for the Brahmana. So, it is important that Brahmana, who, one who is actually Brahman, will keep the principles or the duties of the Brahmana. Just like even in uh, the Pandavas, in their time, you know, the Pandavas were Kshatriyas, 
and they were driven out from their kingdom. And the problem was, they didn't have any land to rule. So how could they be Kshatriyas without having any kingdom? And that's the cause of the Kurukshetra war, because they had no opportunity to perform their duty. So they had to come to war. And similarly, a Brahmana can never give up his duty. Brahmana has to have his, he must keep his duty. And one of his duties is to keep these qualities, to keep these religious principles. They cannot just simply do, eat anything, do anything. They have to control the senses. So, uh, human life is meant for that. When one is so fortunate that he can be born in a, a Brahmana family, that is very good because it said, a Brahmana, this should be his last birth, right? If you're born in a Brahmana, born a Brahmana, then this should be the last birth. Next birth, you should go back home, back to Godhead. This is mentioned in Srimad Bhagavatam. In fifth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, it's mentioned there, Lord Rishabdev, he's describing, he's talking to his 100 sons, and he's describing the glories of the Brahmanas how they're very dear to the Lord. Why are they dear? Because they're so pure in their habits. They're so perfect in their qualities that this is supposed to be their last birth. But they still have to qualify. Just like one may be in the final year in college, but you still have to pass the final year exams. It's not that because you're a final year student that you, you must get your degree and you will graduate. Sometimes people also fail in the final year. So similarly, one may be Brahmana, but it's no guarantee that you're going to go back to Godhead. You have a chance, but if you don't have the qualities, if you don't do the work of the Brahmana, then you cannot be successful. So human life is a chance. You, 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 we may be thinking, oh, well, I'm not a Brahmana, my family is not Brahmana, so that means I can't go back to Godhead? No, it's not like that. Anyone can become a Brahmana. Anyone. How do we become a Brahmana? Even if it's not by birth, because birth alone is not important. What is important is guna and karma. Quality and activities. One who has the qualities and who works like a Brahmana, then he is a Brahmana also, even though he may not be Brahmana by birth. The birth alone is not sufficient. The father may be high court judge. It does not mean son is also high court judge. Father may be doctor. Mother is also doctor. But does not mean the son is also doctor. Son also has to qualify. He has to study, he has to take the exams and get the certificate. Of course, if the mother and father are that way, then there's good opportunity for the son also, but it's no barrier to somebody else who wants and who works and who studies. They can also qualify and become doctors. And same way, one who is not born in Brahmana family can also become Brahmana. How it is described that just like bell metal can be transformed into gold by the alchemical process, any person who is initiated and trained by a bona fide spiritual master, then they can also become Brahmana. 
This is a statement from the scriptures and it's given to us in Hari Bhakti Vilas by Sanatana Goswami. Yata kanchana tamyati kamshena rasavata satadiksha vidanena dvijadvam dayatenrinam You have to be initiated and trained by the bona fide spiritual master. And then you can also become Brahmana. So, actually the real business of one who is Brahmana is to make others Brahmana. One should not think, I'm Brahmana, you're not Brahman. That is not the proper thinking of a real Brahmana. A real Brahmana will make others also Brahman by preaching, by giving them the knowledge that he has. A Brahmana cannot be a miser. Uh, there is Brahmana and Kripana. Kripana is a miser, but the Brahmana is generous. Whatever he knows, he will give to others. Example is there in Mahabharat, example of Dropad. Uh, um, no, uh, dro huh? Dronacharya, yeah, Dronacharya, that he was going to, uh, he knew that uh, this uh, Abhiman, uh, Jumna is going to kill him. He knew that this son of Dropada, Drishtajumna, is born to kill him. But still, Dronacharya taught him all the military arts, because he thought, I'm a Brahmana, I should teach him whatever I know. He never thought, oh, he's going to kill me, I'm not going to teach him. Let him find out some other person. No, he thought, let me teach him anyway. There's Brahmana, he will not refuse. Uh, in Srimad Bhagavatam, there's another example of a great Rishi. He was approached by Indra. Indra wanted the bones of this yogi's body to make the Bhadra. So, the yogi had to give up his body to give Indra the bones from his body. So the, the yogi was so charitable, he thought, yes, let me, he's asking charity from me, I cannot refuse. So this is a Brahmana nature. They will give knowledge. They will not just simply keep the knowledge. If a Brahmana has knowledge and doesn't give it to others, then whatever he knows, it will just dry up. Just like if you keep water in a clay pot. If you keep water in a clay pot, the water gradually evaporates. It all dries up. In the same way, if we have knowledge and we don't give it to others, whatever we know, it will all dry up to nothing. Nothing left. So very important that we should distribute whatever knowledge we have. And as we distribute the knowledge, the more we give the knowledge, the more we get knowledge. So this is why preaching is so much encouraged. Everyone should take time to try to preach, to try to tell people about Krishna. Wherever you go, whoever you meet, you tell them about Krishna. And in this way, your life becomes fortunate. We are, in, we are trying to encourage everyone to get more and more knowledge. And the more we speak about Krishna, the more our own knowledge increases. Srila Prabhupada goes on. Unfortunately, the modern Brahmanas, or so-called Brahmanas, who come in originally Brahminical families, have left their own occupational duties 
but they do not allow others to occupy the post of brahmanas. So sometimes the brahmanas, you know, they become brahmanas and they get some charity and then they decide to make a business and they get a shop and they become shopkeepers. And they don't worry anymore about teaching the scriptures because they think, well, I'm making more money in the shop than I was doing when I was doing the yagyas and like that. So this shopkeeping, this business is much better. But they still think they're Brahmins. Yeah, I'm a Brahmin. We're Brahmins. But they don't do any Brahminical work. So many times I met the men in Hong Kong because I preach in Hong Kong. I met the men and they say, oh yes, I'm Sharma. My father is a priest in the temple. And what are you doing, Mr. Sharma? I'm the accountant here in the office. But we're Brahmins. Yes. Brahmin in name only. Ah. Jati Brahman. But not actual real Brahman. So this is the situation in the modern times. The qualifications for Brahmins are described in the scriptures. In Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, and all other Vedic literature. Brahmana is not a hereditary title or position. If someone from a non-Brahmana family, for example, one born in a family of Sudras, tries to become a Brahmana by being properly qualified under the instruction of a bona fide spiritual master, these so-called Brahmanas will object. So this is a problem, that the, those people who are the brahmanas by birth, and, but who are not doing the duty of the brahman, they'll say, you cannot be brahman, you're not a brahman, you're a sudra, your family are low class, we're the brahmans. You know, they will object to other people taking the post of brahmanas or doing the work. So this is a problem. They don't want to do it themselves. But when somebody else comes along to do it, they will object. They will say, huh, what kind of Brahman you are? What is your gotra? Huh? And then Prabhupada told us that we should say our gotra is Narayana gotra. Right? We are the gotra from Lord Narayan. Achutya gotra. Achutta gotra. Such Brahmanas, having been cursed by Nandeshwara, are actually in a position where they have no discrimination between eatables and non-eatables, and simply live to maintain the perishable material body and its family. Such fallen conditioned souls are not worthy to be called brahmanas. But in Kali Yuga, they claim to be brahmanas. And if a person actually tries to attain the brahminical qualifications, they try to hinder his progress. This is the situation in the present age. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu condemned this principle very strongly. During his conversation with Ramananda Rai, he said that regardless of whether a person is born in a Brahmana family or Sudra family, regardless of whether he is a householder or a sannyasi, if he knows the science of Krishna, he must be a spiritual master. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had many so-called Sudra disciples, like Haridas Thakur and Ramananda Rai, even the Goswamis, who were principal students of Lord Chaitanya, 
were also ostracized from Brahmana society. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by his grace, made them first-class Vaishnavas. So, Prabhupada is giving the examples here of the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that he was very much a social reformer. And he broke away from this caste system. The system of division of society is good. It's very good. But it's not meant to be divided. Society is not meant to be organized on the basis of birth only, but on the basis of work and quality. This is the more important consideration. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught, Kiba Vipra, Kiba Nasi, Sudra Keni Nai, Ye Krishna Tattva Ved, Su Se Guru Hai. So Krishna Tattva, if you know Krishna Tattva, if you know the science of Krishna, then you can become guru. That is the qualification of the guru. You have to know the science. You have, you cannot just, it's not some, it's not a hereditary title. That, oh, I'm born in this family, my great-great-grandfather, he was a sannyasi, a great acharya. So we are also the acharyas today also. And you, you know, they don't have any religious habits. They just only keep, keep the post, hold on to the title. Yes, uh, somebody in the family becomes Goswami. So the family name becomes Goswami. So they're all Goswami. But that, that is not, has no meaning. Goswami means controller of the senses. And so, if one is Sarva Baksha, if one is eating everything, that is not controlling the senses. There has to be some discrimination. So, everyone can become Brahmana if they're properly trained. Here, Prabhupada also mentions about great personalities who were considered by birth low-born. Haridas Thakur. Haridas Thakur was born in a Mohammedan family. But he was every day chanting three lakh names of God. He was chanting three lakh names a day. You know, that's 192 rounds a day. Every day for many, many years. That is why we describe Haridas as Nam Acharya Haridas. Because he was so fixed in his vow in chanting the holy names of the Lord. And even when he was tested, he was arrested by the Mohammedans. And they told him that you are, you are a Muslim, why are you become a Hindu chanting these Hindu names? But he said, so many Hindus have become Muslims, what is the harm if one Muslim will become a Hindu? And so they were not happy with this. And they, he was to be punished by be being beaten in the marketplace. But still he kept chanting, he just chanted, and he survived. Ramananda Rai was a great scholar. He was a governor. Uh, he was governing over in Raj, Raj, uh, Rajamandri there when he met Lord Chaitanya on the banks of the Godavari. And he was the governor of that time under Maharaj Prataparudra, who was seated in uh, his capital, in Jagannath Puri. Because at that time, the kingdom of Utkal was all the way down to Godavari. So Ramananda Rai was there, living there, and he met Lord Chaitanya. Ramananda Rai was born in a 
Kayasta family. They were sudra, on the level of sudra. But he was very learned in the scriptures. He was so learned that when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would talk with him, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was born in a high, in the most aristocratic Brahmana family, and he was also a sannyasi, but he would put the questions to Ramananda Rai, and Ramananda Rai would answer. Ramananda Rai was a grihasta, and he was born in the Kayasta Sudra family, but his knowledge of scripture was unparalleled, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would question him, and he would answer, and he would bring ecstasy to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He would bring so much pleasure to Lord Chaitanya. So this, uh, these are some examples of great personality. Our own spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, a, a, his family is not Brahmins. He's not born in a Brahmana family. But from his very birth, his family were worshipping Radha and Krishna. Throughout his life, he worshipped Radha and Krishna. He never forgot Krishna. And he preached the message of the Bhagavatam all over the world. Uh, Srila Prabhupada's family were not Brahmanas, but they were Vaishnavas. They were devotees of Radha and Krishna. So this is a more important qualification. This uh, social position is not so important. What is important is the quality and the activity. So, uh, in this way, Prabhupada, uh, well, Prabhupada's own spiritual master, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, when he came, because he was giving the sacred thread to his disciples. So, he was making his disciples all brahmanas. So, when they came to Vrindavan, when Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati first brought his followers to Vrindavan, then all the shopkeepers, they closed the shop because they thought, these people, they're not really brahmanas. They put on the sacred thread of brahmanas, so we're not going to sell them any food. We don't want their custom. We'll close the shop, we won't sell them anything, and we'll hope that they will go away from Vrindavan. Actually, all the shopkeepers were brahmanas. That time, all the shopkeepers in Vrindavan, all the shops were run by brahmanas. They'd become shopkeepers. And they didn't like that these other people had come and they're wearing the sacred thread. They thought, they're not real brahmanas, we're the brahmanas. So they closed their shops. Then, of course, later on, Srila Prabhupada, not, he wasn't, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, he was giving the sacred thread to people from Hindu families. But Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, uh, Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, our own founder, Acharya, he was giving to people from uh, Videsh, Videshis people from outside India, outside Vedic countries. So that was really also, that was another big reaction, that how you can make these people brahmanas, and how you can, you know, give them initiations and like that. So, but this is proper according to scripture, because according to scripture, anyone in any level of society, if they're properly initiated and trained, then they can become Brahmana. So Sanatana Goswami, he had written about this in his uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas 500 years ago, and we are following the same principle today. 
And we hope that you will also accept. Thank you very much. Are there any questions? According to matter of devotion, when the metal mixed with the mercury, it turns into gold. Say it again. When a metal mixed with the mercury, it turns into a gold. But the same, when a person gets initiated in a parampara with a bona fide spiritual master, he'll become a brahmana. But after becoming a brahmana, even he acts like a metal. I mean, non-brahman. Why this is happening? Means the training is not complete. We're given the opportunity to be Brahman, but it doesn't mean that we've, filled, we've, we've become fully qualified. Often we give the quality, we give the opportunity before the person's actually qualified. Qualif opportunity is there, but still we have to uh, accept the responsibility. So, like that. You have to understand that if a person has given, been given Brahmical initiation, but they're not acting like the Brahmana, it means the training is not complete. And you need more training. And we should all feel we need more training. We should all feel the need to uh, have more association and guidance. So it's important for us. Brahmana should not be proud. We shouldn't think, now I'm Brahman, I know everything, and yes, I'm qualified, you know. Look, I've got my sacred thread. Sacred thread alone is not the qualification of the Brahman. You have to see the quality, the qualities have to be manifest. So, as you have said, sometimes people are given this initiation, but they, we, you know, we don't act on the proper level. We don't take the responsibilities so seriously. We act in the wrong way. So we should regret that, and we should certainly try to improve, and we should try to encourage others by our own example, by our own behavior. Prabhupada was certainly concerned about this, that sometimes he saw people also being initiated and then behaving in an improper way. So he wanted, he was, a, Prabhupada was quite merciful with the first initiation, but he was more strict about the second initiation. He, wanted to see that people were actually qualified. So, also in uh, ISKCON, you know, we can be a little more merciful in the first initiation. First initiation means giving the Harinam, where one is given the Japa beads and told to chant Hare Krishna. But before we give the second initiation, which is the Brahminical initiation, where more we, people have to wait longer and uh, they have to be uh, given much more training and observed more closely before they are given the second initiation. How, how Daksha Prajapati could have understood Lord Shiva and where, where he missed actually? How, how, how did Daksha misunderstand Lord Shiva? Why did he feel offended by Lord Shiva? Well, we explained this, that you know, Daksha was proud He'd become infatuated, proud of his own position, that so many other devas were all offering respect to him. So he thought that Lord Shiva should also respect him, because he thought, Lord Shiva is married to my daughter. Because of all this, the family relationships, he thought, you know, he's just my son-in-law. You should respect me. 
but he was not understanding Lord Shiva's exalted position, that Lord Shiva is almost on the level of Lord Vishnu. Lord Shiva is not an ordinary soul. He's not an ordinary jiva. He is almost equal to the Supreme Lord. And he's very dear to the Supreme Lord. But Daksha was not recognizing Lord Shiva's actual spiritual position. He was simply thinking in terms of the body. He was thinking, he's married to my daughter, so he's my son-in-law. And so he should respect me. That was, this was Daksha's pride. Because he had become so full of his own self, his own position and name and fame, so he had become attached to the material body. And when we're in that bodily consciousness, when we think I'm the body, then this is when a lot of other problems come because of that. If we identify with this body, we think I'm this body, then we feel offended. Somebody somebody's not nice to us, somebody doesn't treat us well, we feel offended, we get angry, you know. All ignorance comes from identifying with the material body. And it's the cause of our entanglement in the material world. Because when we think I'm this body, then we become very attached to enjoying the senses. Srimad Bhagavatam says, Nunam pramata kurute vi karma, yad indriya pritai aprinoti, nasadu manye yata atmano yam asanapi klesha da asadeha. In Srimad Bhagavatam, it is described like this. Uh, Rishabdev is speaking to his sons, he is describing. Nunam pramata kurute vi karma. People are mad to perform these vikarmic activities, sinful activities. Why? Yet indriya pritai aprinoti. Because they want to satisfy the indriyas. They want sense pleasure. Nasadu manye. That is not good, my friend. Asanapi klesha da asadeha. That is not good that you're performing all of these sins. You're simply making arrangement for another material body in this world and it will bring you more and more trouble. So this is what happens when we become attached to the body. And Daksha was in this position. We see Daksha is elevated, but he has to take another birth because of his ignorance. Another qu any other questions? Question? Okay, so we will stop here. Thank you. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki. Srila Prabhupada Ki, Gaur Premanande.